In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My wife and I have a refrain uh, for whenever life starts to feel a little overwhelming. We look at each other, and one of us says, it never ends. It never ends. I was thinking about what we refer to when we were talking about how it never ends. What is the it? Well, it sometimes feels like there's always one more doctor's appointment to schedule. One more phone call to return, one more set of leaves to rake, one more email to respond to, one more ride to coordinate, one more workout to do, one more shot to get, one more assignment, one more application to turn in, one more game to play, one more bag of trash to empty, one more jug of milk to buy, one more dish to wash, one more load of laundry to do, one more Thanksgiving to plan. One more birthday to celebrate or, or pull off. One more summer vacation to figure out. One more Christmas card to mail. One more unexpected bill to pay. One more maintenance appointment for our car. One more meal to cook. One more Zoom to dial into. One more deal to close. One more passive-aggressive remark to swallow. One more argument to settle. One more apology to make. One more tirade to endure. One more excuse to give. One more excuse to listen to. One more dispiriting headline to absorb. One more thank you note to write. One more funeral to attend. One more update to your phone's firmware. One more walk with the dog before bed. One more book to write. One more sermon to preach. It never ends. And I think that for an increasing uh, part or proportion of our population, to be alive today, to be alive in the 21st century, is to wonder privately or perhaps aloud how much longer you can keep feeding the beasts before you keel over. It never ends. Life is one thing after another thing after another thing. I mean, that very phrase, feed the beast. It could not be more apt, right? I mean, it conjures up the image of a, of a ravenous, uh, hungry creature, sort of whose appetite demands satiation, lest it carve out its pound of flesh, sort of prowling around. It, it, it brings to mind sort of uh, something that could be momentarily appeased but never fully satisfied. Well, I think that's a little bit of what the writer to the letter to the Hebrews means when he talks about... Uh, when he contrasts the priests uh, that stand up at uh, the temple day after day, uh, offering again and again the same sacrifices for that which can never uh, take away sins. The life of feeding the beast recasts our, our activities and the rewards they bring on, on the moment, as momentary offerings on the, the altar of enough. I know it's a little melodramatic, but I hope it rings a few bells. Maybe you've been to Chicago recently. If you haven't, uh, the artist Barbara Kruger has taken over the Art Institution of Chicago right now for her enormous exhibit called Thinking of You, I Mean Me, I Mean You. She's a sort of a, a provocateur uh, artist. She's in her 70s now. She she's puts up large images and then she contrasts them with sort of slogans and truthful type sayings that make you think or make you uneasy or whatnot. She's almost like the original meme queen. Uh, but there is one place in the Art Institute right now where you go up a staircase and on each riser it says, not silly enough, 
not sexy enough, not silent enough, not mean enough, not man enough, not pretty enough, not real enough, not true enough, not ironic enough, not skinny enough, not good enough. And it made me think of those priests offering sacrifices again and again that never seemed to appease, that never seemed to satiate the, the beast that we're trying to, whose approval we're trying to gain. Same week that, that uh, this uh, exhibit sort of uh, started to make waves, I was reading a review of a new book out by the, a model named Emily Ratchikowski. Uh, she's an entrepreneur and a very well-known sort of face uh, in the pop culture world. And she, but she's written a book of essays recently called My Body, which is a series of musings on what it's like to actually be uh, the kind of person who fulfills the physical ideals that we most of us spend our lives chasing. Uh, what is it like to be a woman born with the kind of supernatural beauty to which others uh, aspire? Well, that's what she so that's the position she's writing from. And the, the, the reviewer, Carrie Batan, wrote that if there is a thesis statement to be drawn from Radajkowski's book, it's that physical beauty is a heavy cross to bear. Beauty is not an antidote to emotional anguish or self-doubt, but instead a breeding ground for more insecurity. I so desperately craved men's validation that I accepted it even when it came wrapped in disrespect, writes Radajkowski. And it's a powerful testament to the fact that enough, uh, that you, you, there's always one more thing. Uh, it, it never ends, even if you are she, even if you are climbing that staircase and you think you're at the top. One of the, th we're in the time of the year where uh, one of the real um, uh, ferocious refrains or um, Im imagery that comes at us uh, around this time is that of the, the, the great, the pumpkin spice latte, the uh, coziness of fall. In fact, I was just on the downtown mall walking and I spied not, not two, but three different window displays, all sort of capitalizing on this yearning for coziness. Um, I was, and this is a, it's always been, I think, part of our fall spirit, but wh what are we looking for when we're looking for coziness? What's so appealing to us? Well, I think it's the same thing that uh, Ratchikowski's after, that, that, uh, that, that, uh, that Barbara Kruger is trying to point towards. Is, uh, to be cozy is to be uh, perfectly safe, perfectly comfortable. Everything in its right place. The house is clean. The candle is lit. There's no unexpected intrusions that can disturb the feeling of coziness. And just as important as what we see in an image of coziness, the couch, the socks, the candle, or the things we don't see. The mess, the disorder, the unpredictable reality of the world outside. And you can't help but wonder, as one writer uh, remarked, that if our obsession with coziness has grown in step with our growing feeling, of our collective precariousness, whether that be economic or environmental or social, because you can't really get that feeling of being safe and warm inside without the awareness that it's cold out there. Inside, I have exactly the things I need to be comfortable, to be safe, to belong. Out there, well, that's where th all bets are off. Uh, and the, the, the crazier it is out there, the more I yearn for something good in here. Well, into this cold world, 
of you and I jockeying for that sense of enoughness, that coziness. Uh, the writer to the letter to the Hebrews um, contrasts the work of Jesus Christ, which is in contrast to those of us who are day after day doing the same thing, hoping we will feed the beast once and for all. He says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all times those who are sanctified. Now, those of us who were uh, Episcopalians, you may know that this passage, this passage is what Thomas Cranmer, in writing our prayer book, he shaped the entire communion service around this one passage. This communion service, which builds up to this line, this gorgeous redundancy in the prayer book service where uh, the Paul or Mary Lou or Josh, not me, says the line, one full, perfect, sufficient sacrifice, satisfaction, and oblation for the sins of the world. That is what Jesus offered. And you'll notice the redundancy that uh, allows for no exceptions Nothing that falls outside. No, there's no room for any more repetition, any more, um, any, any reason to come back. He's trying to conjure up a image of complete, completion, uh, a, a, the, a fundamental alteration, a finished work that we are there to celebrate. Now, this sense of a decisive alteration in something, a true game changer, a decisive action for the case of love, which is what the writer to the Hebrews says Jesus Christ was capable of. It's what Thomas Cranmer is trying to get at. I, I wonder if you've ever experienced something like this. I wonder if you've ever experienced something um, in your past that is so um, powerful and so that it changed you, that it genuinely shifted, that the problem that you had uh, went away and you were a different person after that relationship, after that breakup, after uh, that accident. Many of us have these sorts of things and a lot of times it has to do with love. Uh, one of my uh, the great movies, I think, of the last 20 years, um, though it's, it's, it's you can't recommend it wholeheartedly because it's just, it's a violent and slightly vulgar, but it's a beautiful movie that Clint Eastwood directed called Grand Torino. Um, it's one of the first things I showed when I got to Christ Church 12 years ago, and I can't believe it now. Um, but maybe you've seen it. It tells the story of a relationship between an immigrant Asian teenager, uh, Dao, and a disgruntled, bitter old man named Walt. Walt, who happens to be a veteran. Now, this boy, Dao, has gotten into trouble with a local gang, and uh, he's gotten into trouble with them by standing up to them and refusing to join them, refusing to bow to their pressures to join their sort of uh, criminal activity. And in retaliation, uh, they assault Dao's sister, Sue, and uh, they beat her and do all sorts of other terrible things. Now, um, when Walt finds out about this, uh, he is trying to encourage Thou to confront these these gangsters once and for all, so that he knows that if Thou doesn't sort of make some kind of statement, that it will be the sort of thing where he has to offer a sacrifice over and over and over again, and he never gets any kind of uh, satisfaction. Was well, they're getting ready? 
Walt locks Thou in his basement and tells him that he has been haunted by the memory of killing an enemy soldier who is trying to surrender and wants to spare Thou from becoming a killer. But that night, while Thou's locked in his basement, Walt arrives at the residence of the gang members where they all draw their firearms at him. And he speaks loudly. He berates them and enumerates their crimes and thus draws the attention of all the neighbors in the surrounding sort of housing developments. And then he puts a cigarette in his mouth and he asks for a light. No one has a, a light. So he reaches into side his jacket and provocatively pulls it out as if he were holding a gun, inciting the gang members all to shoot and immediately kill him. Now, as a fall, he falls to the ground, his hand opens to reveal that it's simply a Zippo lighter with a first cavalry insignia. He was unarmed. Sue, Thou's sister, follows Walt's direction. He, she goes and frees Thou, and they drive to the scene in Walt's Gran Torino automobile, which Thou had always wanted. A Chinese police officer tells him that the gang members have been arrested for murder and the surrounding neighbors have all come forward as witnesses that they will all be put away for a long time. Walt has uh, offered himself as a full, sufficient sacrifice and he, for the sake of Tao, and, but for the sake of love of Tao. It's an act of sacrifice. And death seems to be the only solution to an otherwise intractable situation. And what it affects is genuine redemption. It is a game changer for Thou, for Sue, for the neighborhood, for the future, the, the freedom for Thou, uh, whose life will forever be shaped by this event, be lived in its shadow. In fact, if we come to find out that Thou has been given the Gran Torino as well. Now this only hints at the power of Christ's death on the cross and what we come together every single week to commemorate and to worship. But hopefully it gives you something to uh, hold on to the next time you feel like it never ends. Um, because it may never end for you today, this week. It may feel like there's always one more thing, but when it comes to God, there is nothing that needs to be done that hasn't already been done. You and I live in the shadow of that glorious event. This Christ who has sat down, mic dropped at the right hand of God the Father, perfecting all those who find their rest in him. Amen. <laughs>